Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast. We'd like to thank you for taking a few moments out of your day to listen to what God is doing here in Reynoldsburg, Ohio. We hope today's message will be encouraging and uplifting to you. To learn more about Simple Church, maybe you'd like to be our guest for a service, please visit our website at www.simplechurchohio.com. There you'll find more information about us, location, service times, and even online giving opportunities. And now, here's today's message. She's a firecracker of a speaker. I just wanted to come and be an encouragement to you guys. So she's going to be here with us on November 19th. So she'll be here both services. It'll be a great time to invite a friend and come and just be encouraged. Amen? All right. Well, what we're doing in this series, this Life, Money, Hope series, is something that we do every year. We actually take some time and intentionally focus on this subject, especially during this time of year. We intentionally do it in the October, November season because this time of year presents us more opportunities than any other time of year to be generous. And so it's important that we look at our finances, consider what we're doing, and say, all right, this is our opportunity, and and, and to consider our ways because there's a lot of us that are doing lots of different things with our money. We're trying lots of different things, but the, the, the things that we're doing don't seem to work. And, and it's not only just that way with our finances, it seems to be that way with our life as well. And that's why we're calling the series Life and Money with a whole lot of hope. And so uh, what we're doing is, is we're trying to figure out, hey, what way actually works? You know, does, does, does the way my mom and dad did it work? Does the way my friends do it work? Does the way the financial advisor told me to do it. Does it work? And, and we've tried all those things, and we still find ourselves in difficult places in our lives. And we find that, that truly the right answer, and, the, and the, the subtitle for our entire series is that God's ways work. And so that's what we're looking at. In fact, God even tells us that his, his ways are best and tells us to consider our ways. Check it out in Haggai. It says that now this is what the Lord Almighty says. That, that's your first clue that God's talking, all right, because it says so. It says, give careful thought to your ways. You've planted much, but have harvested little. You eat, but never have enough. You drink, but never have your fill. Some of us, what it's talking about is, these are very common things we do in life. We eat, we drink, we go to work. We do all these things just like everybody else does, and it just seems like all the things that we're doing do not live up to their promises that they will fulfill us, that we'll find meaning in them. And so we find ourselves just lost. We're not satisfied with it. We can drink as much as we want, but we've not had our fill. We can eat as much as we want, not had our fill. In fact, it continues on and it says, uh, you put on clothes but are not warm. That is a message for every woman I've ever met. Ladies are always so cold. And then it says, you earn wages only to put them in a purse with holes in it. How many of y'all know what that's like, right? You earn your money and it is gone. It just feels like, like I just put that in a bag with holes in it. All your money just went in. Again, he says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Give careful thought to your ways. So basically what he's saying is, look, the way you've been doing things isn't working. You've been trying everything that everybody else has told you to do, and it's just not working out. And as a result, we don't just keep on doing the same thing over and over again, right? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. So what do we have to do? The Bible tells us to consider our ways. In other words, think about it. Think about what you're doing. Is the way that you're doing it the best way to do it? And so in this series, we've been doing that. We've been talking about the way that we approach life and the way that we approach our finances. In week one, 
I, I gave you a very, very simple and very basic outline of what every financial advisor would tell you. There's five things that they would tell you. But I went beyond those numbers, and I gave you some biblical principles that if you didn't get to hear that, I would encourage you to listen to that because they'll, they'll help, help you understand how to manage and handle your money uh, following those principles. And then week two, we talked about the place that all of us wind up in, whether we intend to get there or not, whether we did it to ourselves or not. We all tend to wind up in a desperate situation. And when we get into these desperate situations, it feels like we're like in a black hole. Like there's no way out. We don't know how we got here. We don't know what to do. And it feels hopeless, which of course we decided was just an absolute lie. There is a way out. And so we, we said in order to get out, we had to figure out how we got here in the first place. So we looked at that. And then we talked about the way to get out. And we decided, you know, the way, the way we got in and the way we get out financially is the same in, in every area of our life. And so that, that was last week's message. We, we gave you some hope and a way out. And so if you missed that, again, I want you to listen to it. It'll, it'll be a, a, an incredible encouragement to you. But today, here's what I get to do. I get to give you a message I'm calling intentional generosity. What I get to do is I get to launch our year-end initiatives, our opportunities to be generous. So I'm going to share those with you today. And then I'm going to wrap it around a thought that I have um, that, that God's commanded me to give you. And so here, here is that thought. In the Bible, we find the Old Testament and the New Testament. And in the New Testament, the, these are generally letters that were written. They were written to someone else. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, these are written to people, and they're the testament and the story of Jesus. But the rest of them, the majority of them, are letters from Paul. And sometimes you'll find a letter that is not written to the churches or to an individual. They're written to a pastor. They're written to a church leader. And these, these are most of the time the, the titles of the books have somebody's name in them, like Timothy or Titus. And these letters are written to a pastor to help him lead his congregation and about the kind of life that they ought to lead because they're in leadership. And so I, I want to share something. This is written to me about how I'm supposed to help you. Are you ready? Here we go. It says, command those who are rich in this present world. Now, most of you want to just stop right there, right? Because you're going to tell me, Aaron, I'm not rich. I'm not rich. I know somebody that's richer. I wouldn't really consider myself rich. I don't live in a big house. I don't drive a new car. I don't have lots of money. I don't get to see all the new movies. Like, I'm not, I'm not rich. But you need to know that, that you are rich. In fact, the, the, the title of rich applies to most Americans. We just, we just need to understand that we are blessed and we are rich, even if it doesn't feel that way to you. Let me give you some perspective. Studies say that if you have a household income of $40,000 a year, that's household, not, not individually, household, that you are in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. That's some global perspective, isn't it? So you don't feel rich sitting on your $40,000 a year, but you are in the top 1%. Everybody else is lower than you at that point. So that's some perspective. And the reason I want you to, to understand and why it's important for you to know that you are blessed and that you are rich is because when we know that we are rich, when we finally identify that we are rich, we behave different, don't we? Like one of the things is when, when you learn and decide that you are rich, you stop complaining so much. Like I, I don't know if you've ever heard these, there's this, this, these, these hashtags, right? And, and uh, when people say things, you know, one of the comments they'll say is hashtag first world problems, right? 
It's the problems that you and I go through that nobody else in the world really kind of experiences, you know? Places like Honduras and Panama, the third world countries don't even understand that. They don't understand why you're complaining about it. Like, like for instance, I've got so much food it won't fit in the fridge. Hashtag first world problems, right? Or, or I've got a closet full of clothes but nothing to wear. Hashtag first world problems, right? They, they don't have those kind of problems. They don't have those kind of complaints. I found myself last year, uh, around this time, I went 13 weeks. Wait, young people, brace yourself. I went 13 weeks in this building without internet. <laughs> I was ready to choke someone. Seriously. I, I love Jesus, but I do not like those, those guys on the other end of the phone. And if they told me one more time in tech support to go and turn my router off and then back on again, I was about to come through that phone and lose my Jesus identity. You know what I'm saying? Don't judge me. Somewhere in the middle of this, about, about the 10th day in of just being frustrated and mad at these guys, I remembered my El Salvadorian friends, the missionaries and the pastors and the people that I had befriended. And I remembered... I remember their plight. I remember that they have dirt floors. I remember that the water that they have in their house is because of a colander that's on the top of their house that catches rainwater. So they hope that it rains regularly. And that the way that they, and, and, and so that water, that's what they drink, and that's what they wash with, or they go, have to go down into a lake and wash in the lake publicly. We saw somebody doing that while I was down there. <laughs> they, they don't have much, but they're happier than I am. So I, when you realize you're rich, you, you begin to complain less. And we need to get comfortable with the idea that we are rich. In fact, the Bible is comfortable with it. In fact, in 2 Corinthians 8, it says, You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich. Now, I'm pause right here. Don't look at the screen anymore. Look right here. Look at me. Some of you are just rebels. I'm reading that verse, Pastor. You, don't have to, you can't tell me what to do. Just look right here. You need to know that Jesus was enthroned in heaven before he came to this earth. He sat in glory. The angels were his servants. He had everything and anything that he wanted. Chipotle burrito, poof, now. You know what I'm saying? Like, done. He had everything. Everything. He was rich. And the verse continues and says, yet for your sakes, say for my sake, for my sake, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. You say, Aaron, that's great. That's great news. But why would God want me rich? What's his motivation? What, 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 is, what is the reason he wants me in that condition? That's a great question. 2 Corinthians 9 answers it for us. He, he, Paul says, you will be made rich in every way. In every way. Oftentimes we see that word rich and we just think it's talking about monetarily, right? We all want to be rich. We all want to have lots of money. Feel like our worries would end if we had it. But this is not what he's talking about. He says, you'll be rich in every way. That means relationally, spiritually, personally, physically, mentally. You'll, you'll be rich in, in giftings. You'll be rich in ideas and creativity. You'll be rich. Why? Well, he answers that. He says, so you can be generous on every occasion. I want to be really, really careful here because there's a lot of pastors that have used this verse to preach this prosperity gospel is what they call it. That God wants you to be rich so that you can be rich, period. Not like that's the end of the story. Like that if you say yes to Jesus, you're going to get a big bag of money and have a mansion here on earth and drive a Bentley, and that, that's what it's supposed to look like. And that, that is, I don't believe that that's true at all. 
In fact, I believe that God has a purpose in us being rich, and it isn't just so that we can enjoy it, which I know that he wants us to enjoy it. He's given us all these things to enjoy it. God's not upset when you have stuff. He just doesn't like it when the stuff has you. You understand? But I, I believe that God wants you to be wealthy to be a blessing. In other words, God blesses me with more than I need so I can be a blessing. God wants and needs you to have more so that when you see opportunities to be generous, you take them. So that when you see someone in need, you bless them. That, that is the whole purpose and the reason he wants you to be rich. Now, I have a question for you. Doesn't that just sound fun? See, if you don't know that, that being a blessing to somebody is fun, it's because you don't do it. Look, Jesus said this. He said, it is better or it is more blessed or just downright fun to give than it is to receive. He said, it's better to do that. It is so much fun to give stuff away. In fact, I love giving stuff away, and I'm going to give away a book. First lady with her hand up. I'm going to throw, oh, right there. Okay, there you go. I'm giving away a book. I like to give away stuff. That felt good. If you've never given away anything, you need to do it. It's fun. Enjoy that. Let me know how it is, all right? <clears throat> we want God to trust us with more than we need so that we can be a blessing to those who are in need. So what's the problem with this? The problem is that we're bad at being rich. We're, we're really bad at being rich. We, we get a lot of stuff, we got a lot of stuff, and we just consume it ourselves. We're not very good. In fact, studies say that the more Americans make, the less they give away. The, the most generous people in the world are poor people. It's not up. As our income goes up, our giving goes down, which means one thing, that we put our hope in our wealth, and that the more we get, the more we feel like we have to protect it, so we hold on to it, and we put our hope and our trust in ourselves and in our stuff and our reliance in that and our savings accounts instead of God, where it ought to be placed. And so this, this whole thing that I'm telling you, this study reveals the need for a verse to pastors to help you understand how to be rich. That's the reason it exists. So here it goes. Command those who are rich, that's you, that's me, in this present world to do four things. To do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous, and willing to share. This is why we have messages like this one. So, so that we can learn to be good, rich people, especially in this holiday season when there are more opportunities than any other time of year to be generous. For me, I've been in church all my life, and around this time of year, they start presenting their opportunities. They're like, okay, this is what you can do. You can buy a gift this way. You can be involved this way. They, they give you all that stuff, and yet they do it in such a way that they kind of guilt you into doing it or trick you into doing it a little bit. They show you like an emotional video, and it's in black and white, and there's like violin. It's like really sad music, you know, and... They tell you, if you don't give, this kid's going to die, which may be the truth, but they're playing on your emotions, and they want you to give, and I never liked that kind of approach. I, 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 I didn't like that. They may even try to get you to question your Christianity. If you don't give, how could you possibly be a Christian? Like, they, they get you to that place. They'll even teach you some more bad theology, not just the prosperity gospel, but this, this thing they call the ascetic gospel, where it says that it's not good for you to have stuff that you need to give it all away, that you need to live a life of suffering or you're not a Christian. It's holiness. It's bad theology. It's not true. They'll do whatever they have to say to get you to give. But here's the thing. God doesn't want us guilty. He doesn't want us feeling guilty. He wants us responsible. 
He wants us to take what we have and be responsible with it. So don't feel bad about what stuff you have. Just be a good steward of the stuff you have. And so here's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to share with you our year-end initiatives, and they're just opportunities. They're invitations for you and how you can be involved. And then I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going to ask you to pray about it. I'm not going to guilt you. I'm not going to play a sad video. I'm not going to watch the offering buckets. I'm not going to ask you what you're going to get involved in. None of that is my business. It's between you and God only. And so I'm going to ask you to do that. If you're here today and you're married, I'm going to ask you that you talk and pray about it as a married couple. If you're here today and you've got kids, I want you to talk with your kids about it. Listen, your kids will be way more generous than you think if they were given the opportunity to do so. We have one family here, the Reed family. They they have four beautiful little girls and their little girls, every year for missions trips, they get out, go out and sit in front of their house. They'll sell lemonade. They, they sell pretzels. They, they'll, they'll go and sell their belongings. They'll sell, they sell ice cream sandwiches out of here. They, they put in some work and some labor to send some money to, to El Salvador, Honduras, or wherever we go because they want to make a difference in the way they can make a difference. Your kids will surprise you. So invite them. That, that's all I'm going to ask you to do. So are you ready? Here we go. I'm going to share them with you. These are our year-end opportunities for you. The first one's coming up real quick. It's November 12th, and it's an opportunity for you to sponsor a child. Last year around this time, we had One Child Matters. It's an organization come here and share the opportunity to sponsor a child. And what that looks like is it's a monthly investment of $39 that you make with them. It's not even through us. It's something you choose to do, and you sponsor a child. And let me, let me share with you why that's cool and why I get excited about it. This is probably the one I'll talk the most about today because I love it so much. When you choose to sponsor a child, you sponsor a child that lives in the same community as the children I've chosen to sponsor. When, Lynn, when you get a kid and you sponsor a kid, they live next door to my kid. They'll walk down the street and be able to say hi to each other. We sponsor the same kids in the same community as a church, and I think that's awesome. And that's the opportunity they provide us. And here's, here's what happens with your money. Your $39 a month, should you pray about it and God speaks to you about it, here's what, what you provide those kids in Honduras. The first thing you provide them with, and the most important thing, is faith. You are giving them exposure and the opportunity to know that God loves them. Every day they come into the center, and they they spend time in worship. They spend time in Bible study. They spend time getting to know who God really is and that he loves them. In fact, they know that God loves them so much that they touched your hearts to sponsor them, and that's how they're there in the first place. Somebody that you don't even know, somebody far away, God touched their hearts, and that's why you get to be here. Isn't that something? And you get to be a part of that. That's the first thing you get. You get to give them access to faith. The second thing you get to give them access to is education. These kids go to school for a half day. Do you know why? Because the population is so overrun that they cannot facilitate a full day of school for these kids. And so they go a half day, and then they come to the center. And they spend time tutoring them and expanding on their education and helping them, all right? The third thing they get is is, is medical help. They get routine examinations, and they have access to somebody that will help them with their health issues. The fourth thing that they get access to is a community. You say, why is that important? Don't they have people that live around them? They do. When we were there in, in Honduras, so that, that's the thing, is that when you, when you adopt a kid, we'll go on a mission trip like we did this year. We'll go next year, and you get to meet your kid. <laughs> you get to hug and squish their little cheeks. It's amazing. you got to love it. So we were there, and we asked them. We said, Hey, listen, we, we, you know, what, what is your number one concern? What are you afraid of most here? And you would be astounded by their response was this, to go outside, to leave my house, 
Because to leave their house is to enter into a world of predators. People that are trying to solicit them into the sex trade, to kidnap them, to, uh, to take them and have them join gangs or to sell drugs. Like, you don't look for a drug dealer when they're wearing pigtails and a, and a little skirt. You know what I'm saying? They're cute just walking across the field, but they're carrying drugs for the drug dealers. The kids are terrified to leave their homes. And so what we provide is a community. There's a community of other kids and a community of people that are there in that center to love them, to invest in them, and to let them know we love you and don't want anything from you. We just want you to know Jesus. We want to feed you. We want to serve you. And so, so that's what your money provides you. So I, I, that opportunity will be here in a few weeks. One, Child's Ma- One Child Matters will be here. You'll have an opportunity to see all the kids, and you can pick from them. You can, you can pick the one with the biggest squishy cheeks you want to. It doesn't matter to me. The oldest one, the youngest one, and, and, and you can sponsor them, and you can write them letters and be a part of their life and make a difference. So that's your first opportunity. The second opportunity is, is something a little more local. It's actually very local. It's something called our angel tree. Starting November 26th, what we'll do is we will have a Christmas tree out there that has angels on them. Each one of these angels has information about a young person, a boy or a girl in their age, and a suggested toy. And so here's our ask. When we put them out there, take one. Take two, take three. Take as many as God, as the Lord leads you to take. I know for me in my house, our kids have a budgeted amount of money that they get every year for Christmas. This is all we're spending on you. We love you, but this is it. Like this is the amount of our love. And so I'm going to ask them, would any of you be willing, what portion of this would you be willing to give to another kid so another kid could have a present this Christmas. And so, so that's the opportunity. We'll have them out here. And so from November 26th to the December 10th, we will be collecting and donating those toys. That's done through the Salvation Army. And we just want to be a blessing to those kids. You can do that as well. You can choose to. I know my wife and I will, will surrender some of our budget that we, we give to each other, right? Yes. Okay. And we'll, we'll pick one up. But you can pick one up. Pray about how you can be involved in that. The third one, and this is, this is absolutely local, it's central to who you are, this is the third opportunity, is random acts of kindness. Now, this is a big one, especially during this time of year, and I'll tell you why in a moment. But here's, here's the concept. Go out, leave this place, and just be generous to someone for no reason at all. Doesn't that sound amazing? You ever done that before? You ever just been at a restaurant, and you see somebody you don't know, and you buy their meal? And you walk out, you sneak out, you don't say a thing to them. Has that ever happened to you or have you ever done it? It's an amazing feeling. I love doing it. But do this with some intentionality. Here's your intentionality, the one thing. Grab our invite cards that are by the front door. They're there for you to take. Grab a stack of them with you this season. And when you go out and you find an opportunity to be generous to somebody, give them an invitation to come to church. Let them know God loves them. It's just a little way we want you to know God loves you. That's it. Another way you can do this is give a big tip, a big tip at a restaurant, one that they, maybe they didn't even deserve. Maybe their service was, to- was terrible, but you don't know. They might be going through something difficult, and you give them a big tip anyway, and you give them a little invitation. We just want you to know God loves you. Invitation to come to church. Or maybe you're going through the drive-thru, and you, you, you pay for the person behind you. Give them a card to the barista or to the person in the window and say, hey, will you give this to the person behind them? And let me tell you what that does. That not only blesses the person behind you, but the person in the window gets to experience the joy that you just spread. God's love that you just shared, they get it too. So you might want to just hand them too. Here's one for somebody behind you, and the other one's for you. God loves you too. Find a way to be irrationally generous this Christmas season. 
I, I don't know if you know this or not or heard this story or not, but I was listening to a pastor the other week, and he was talking about these random acts of kindness. Because you never know what kind of difference it'll make in somebody's life. And he was talking about a woman who was going through a drive-thru, and, uh, and, and she was going to end her life. She's at the McDonald's, which, can I push pause on that for a second? If I was going to end my life, my last meal would not be McDonald's, you know what I'm saying? For real. But, but look at the desperation of her life. Her last meal was going to be McDonald's. And as she's going through the line, the person paid for her food in the drive-thru and gave an invitation to their church. And when she pulled up there, they gave that invitation to her, and she was able to catch the license plate number as the person drove off. So she called that church, and she said, listen, I just want to tell you, the person with this license plate number saved my life. And they said, well, we don't understand. She said, well, I, I was going to get my last meal. And when I pulled up there and found that it was paid for, and they said, they just wanted you to know God loves you, and they gave me that card. She said, that saved my life. See, you, you never know what kind of a difference a simple act of generosity can make in somebody's life. You, you never know the impact it can make. So, so let's spend this season being generous. But let's spend it being intentional, letting them know that God loves them as we do it. And then the last two things, these last two things, these opportunities for you as we come into this season are important, but they're not financial related. Because I, I don't believe the only thing that we need to address during this season is people's temporal suffering, right? They have eternal suffering that they're going through. And we need to be able to address that and be a blessing in that way. And I, because here's the deal. Just like that young lady, during Thanksgiving, from November to December, is the highest suicide rate. It's higher than all year long. People are struggling through the holidays. They're hurting more than ever. And so here's what we're doing. We're giving opportunities for people to be able to come to church and hear the message. You say, we don't we have church every Sunday? Yeah, but we're doing things a little different. From November 26th, uh, through December 17th, we're going to do a series called At the Movies. Now, we've never done this before. In fact, a lot of this stuff is stuff we've never done before. And this series, At the Movies, what does that mean? Well, it's, it's basically a modern-day parable. See, Jesus shared the gospel in story format, very simple, so people could understand it. So what we're doing is we're taking movies that have redemptive qualities in them, and we're going to share the gospel message through those movies. So basically, you're going to invite your friends. We'll have special invitations. They can come. We plan to have popcorn. I'm even going to pour Pepsi in between all the rows so your feet are sticky. Like, so it's just like a real movie theater. <laughs> We're going to have people come, and they're going to see part. We're going to play a clip of the movie, and then I'm going to preach a little bit. We'll play another clip of the movie, and I'm going to share God's redemptive message. People are going to hear the gospel because that's the number one thing they need during this season of their life is to hear and learn about God's love in a very simple way. And it's the best time of year. Other churches tell me to invite friends. The absolute best time of year. So we, we want you to do that. You say, why do all that? Why, why do all that? Why, why do a church service instead of just being focused on the social justice stuff? Like, you know, people that are, are suffering with their temporal issues, giving them presents and food and things at Christmas time and, and Thanksgiving. Why do all that? Because here's the deal, if we feed them, if we clothe them, if we make sure that, that they receive presents, but we don't give them the greatest gift of all, we've missed out on our calling. If we don't give them the gospel, if we don't share God's love with them, we've missed out completely. Because the greatest gift isn't food, clothing, or blankets, or toys, it's giving them Jesus. 
So that's what we're responsible for, and that's what we're going to do with the At The Movies series. So invite your friends. It'll be an incredible time. And the next way we're going to serve those people that have that need is our Christmas Eve service. Now, I know that it's spelled different out there. It's Christmas, it's Eve 3, because it's Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve. It's December 22nd, so it's not even on Christmas Eve at all. Isn't that silly? So, <laughs> so we're going to do this, and, and last year our service was really packed. I mean, this church has grown, and bless God, I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for all of you that are here. I know it will continue to grow. Because of what God's doing here in this place. I'm thankful for it. But that means that we're not all going to fit in this place. And, you know, so what we decided to do was go out and rent the Livingston Avenue High, uh, the Livingston Avenue High School Auditorium. Do you guys know how many seats are in there? You ready? There's about 100 in here. So if we do it times two, we got 200 in here. All right? But over there, 670 seats. Oh, so you don't understand. That gets me excited. Because that means 400 plus people are going to be there that don't regularly come to church here. In fact, at Christmas and Easter, we call them creasters, these people are actually looking. I'll give you a second to catch up. Christmas, Easter. I just put them together for you older folks. That's what just happened there, creasters. So, so they're, they're creasters. And, and, and they, they're looking for a place to go for, on Easter and Christmas. They're looking. They're actively looking. They're trying to decide. They're sitting in their house going, we should probably tell the kids that Christmas isn't just about Santa Claus. Where should we go to church? I have no idea. We need to help them. Invite them to our candlelight service. We're going to do it there at the high school. It's going to be incredible. Our creative team is already there. It has been there for the last couple weeks, checking out the facility and making a plan for an incredible service. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. And your friends, your unsaved friends, the people that are far from God in your life are going to love it too. And we're going to give them Jesus. We're going to sing Christmas songs and have a good time. But we're going to give them Jesus. And so there's, there's a couple ways you can be involved in, in both of those things. We, we need lots of help, especially in that auditorium. We need all hands on deck to serve and, and to help people get in and, and, and feel God's love. But we need you to invite people. And so there'll be invitation, special invitation cards to the At The Movie series and to the to the, the, the Christmas Eve service and, and invite your friends there. It, it'll be the greatest thing that you can give them this Christmas. And so, so these are it. These, these are the initiatives that we're doing. This is what we're going to be doing for the rest of the year. And these are your opportunities. And I don't want to pressure you. In fact, one of, the, one of the things that I dreaded most about becoming a pastor was the subject of money. Because I, I, don't, I don't like pressuring people and making you feel like you have to give. But I've learned along the way that if I don't talk about money, if I don't tell you what the Bible says about money, then you'll never experience the freedom God wants you to experience. And so I, I talk boldly about it now. I teach on money. And so I'm, I'm boldly presenting these opportunities to you today, but here's what I'm doing. Like I said before, I'm just going to ask you. I'm, I'm going to ask you to pray about them, and, and I'm going leave it, to leave, it, leave it up to you. Because these are just invitations to be a part of how God is going to bless people this fall. And so before I close, I, I want to share a couple, uh, just, just a quick verse with you and, so, and, and some last thoughts on it. 2 Corinthians 9 says this. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver. Look, you shouldn't be pressured into giving. And I, I believe that. I'm not here to pressure you. I just want you to decide what to give. Like spontaneous giving is great, but planned and intentional giving is better. It's, it's better. 
And so I, I pray that you'll come up with a plan, that you'll decide how you're going to be involved in these opportunities this, this fall and this winter and for the rest of the year. And then I'm going to leave that between you and God, not me and you, because I trust that the same Holy Spirit that's in me is in you, because I'm not him, right? Like, I, I'm not supposed to be God. I'm not. So I trust that you're going to talk to him. And don't give reluctantly like a Scrooge. Don't give out a compulsion because you feel like, you know, I'll like you better if you do. That's not going to be the case at all. I'll celebrate with you as you obey God's voice in your life. I'll do that. But, but, don't, but, but keep that between you and God and what you've decided. And if you don't know how to decide, let me give you three little giving filters and I'm done. How you decide where to give. There's a couple questions you have to ask yourself. The first question is the relationship question. It's am I in relationship with him or, or really who, who will I commit to relationally? Who, who will I commit to? You know, God is building his kingdom relationally. He, he, that's how he does it. He puts us in strategic relationships for purpose of advancing his kingdom. In fact, he's a family kind of God. He identifies himself as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, right? So that, he's, he's a family kind of God. He's a relationship kind of God. It matters to him. And so the question is, who am I committed to relationally? Is there a, a commitment here? Or, or really, I want to say a covenant relationship, somebody that you're going to commit to. Do you have one of those? Is, do you have it with a church? Do you have it with, with the organization that you're going to give to? Like, are you going to commit to it? And I don't mean like the convenient kind of relationships we have today where, you know, at any point in time I could decide that I'm not going to love you anymore and I'm done. I mean, ones that you're blood in, blood out. The same way that God loves you is the same way you're going to love them and be committed to them, right? Because God was so committed to us that he sent his son Jesus to die, right? And in response, we have this commitment back to him. In fact, my wife and I have a commitment in the way that we live our lives, especially financially, that, that I just want to share with you that, that, that my first and primary covenant, my first and primary covenant relationship is with God, and then it's with people. And so, so I just want to share this with you so that you understand what it looks like. And, and, and our covenant relationship is based biblically on, on, on what we see in the Bible. And so th there's five things that, that my wife and I commit to. And, and I'm not pressuring this on you. I'm just sharing. This, this is what we believe. The first thing is that we recognize that all we have comes from the hand of a gracious God. God owns us and everything we have, so we always check with him first. Before we go by, before we go anywhere, we want to check with God. The second thing that we, that we uh, guideline we have in our lives is we'll give the full tithe to the church that we worship in and more as the Spirit guides. This is our covenant with you. And Shanda and I, it's our joy to invest here and to be part of this congregation with you. We love doing it. The third thing is we'll demonstrate discipline with our spending and live by the 10-10-80 principle. This is where you tithe 10%. You know your church does that. Every dollar that comes in here, uh, not only do my wife and I do this individually, we give 10% back, but, uh, but, but your church gives away 10%. 10% of every dollar that you give today and every day goes back out to missionaries, church planning, local ministries like the Heart Food Pantry, and so on. We, we give it back out. We just give it away. Because we're committed to that. Then the next 10% is to commitment to save 10%. And the last 80% is for us to live on. That's our commitment. And the number four is we'll avoid debt so that, his, so that his money doesn't go to the wrong place. Now, that's a tough one in a world that pushes credit for everything, right? You can go in and get a loan, and, and you can have it all now. We have, a, we have a commitment. When we cut up our credit cards, we said, well, if we don't have it, we'll wait till we do have it, or we'll just do without we, we just decided that, that we, we're not trying to build the kingdom of Visa and MasterCard. We'd like to build the kingdom of Christ. You know what I'm saying? And so we don't want to pay interest. And the fifth and final thing is we'll make an effort to be generous on every occasion. And so I, I want to share, this is our commitment. 
At some point in time, I want to I encourage you to have, have a, a primary covenant relationship with, not only with God, but then, then with a church, with a community like this. I mean, you can, if it's your first time here and you're shopping around, that's fine. Look, but I would just encourage you at some point in time to put down roots in a church, whether it's here or not. The encouragement is the same. Commit somewhere. Invest somewhere. Come blood in, blood out kind of situation. I, I'm going to, if, it's, if it's, it's better or worse, and if it's worse, I'm going to help to make it better. Amen? Well, I need people like that. We need that. And that's, that you, you need to put down roots. And why would I tell you? Because there's a promise if you do. Psalm 92.13 says, those who are planted, hear me, planted, got roots, you put them down, this is where I'm going to be, I'm going to invest here. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. And so if you want to know what that looks like for us, we have something called growth track that is for you. Every, every month we do it. We start it over. It's four easy steps to understanding your spiritual journey. Step one is understanding your relationship with God. Step two is understanding your relationship with this church. And in that step, you'll understand everything you need to know about what we do and who we are as a church so that you can decide, I'm going to put my roots down here and I'm going to be here. So join us. Growth Track happens every Sunday uh, during second service in our conference room just off the cafe. And you're in luck. I'm talking about it today. Step one starts next Sunday. So you're welcome, all right? So here's the next question. I'll blaze through these last two quick. The difference question. Will it make a difference? When you're considering giving, you need to decide, will my giving make a difference because not all charities are the same. Not all giving is the same because generosity isn't good enough alone. It must make an eternal difference because generosity isn't, is good, but generosity that makes an eternal difference pleases God. And so your giving should be strategic for getting people into heaven. First Corinthians 3 says this, if any man builds on his foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, basically all your life stuff, if you spend your life doing all this stuff, his work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, that means there's a day of reckoning. There's a day coming when, when, when how you lived your life will be brought to light. And not that this determines your eternal existence, but there's, there's a, a greater reward for you in heaven if you do this. He said, it will be revealed by, with fire, and the fire will test the quality of each man's work. If what he's built survives, and meaning, meaning if what you've built, if what you've invested in, if what you've spent your time doing survives, if it makes it to heaven, and we know that, that all your stuff ain't going to make it to heaven, right? Your checkbook isn't going to make it to heaven. Your house and your car, your clothes, your fancy iPhone 10 ain't going to make it to heaven. Do you know, some of you are like, that's blasphemy. That's not even, that's not even right. It's not going to make it there. Do you know what's going to make it to heaven? Only eternal stuff. And do you know what's eternal? People. So if you've spent your life investing in people, it says you will receive a reward. So, so you can donate all you want to to different charities, but, but a charity or an organization that makes a difference, an eternal difference in someone's life, builds up a reward for you in heaven. And here's the last question. It's the God question. Is God speaking to me? And for the band, I think I'm supposed to say armadillo. <laughs> Apparently, uh, so every Sunday I give them cues when they should come back to stage. Uh, and I did not this morning. And they, I was told to say armadillo and they would know to come back up. So there you go. <laughs> it's the God question. Is God speaking to you? <laughs> you know, one of, the, one of the most fun things that, that we can do as a Christ follower is to follow the Holy Spirit is to ask him, what, what would you have me do today? 
as you walk into Chipotle. Hey, am I supposed to buy the burrito for the person behind me? Am I, am I supposed to be a blessing to someone today? What, what would you have me do? Am I supposed to offer a word of encouragement to somebody? Would you just speak to me? Would you just lead me? Dr. Lester Summerall said this years ago. He was one of my favorite authors and an incredible man of God. He, he wrote a book called Adventuring with Christ, and I love that. Who here loves an adventure? See, when you live a life following after the Holy Spirit, you live a life of adventure because you never know what he's going to have you do. It might be scary to ask him because some of you haven't built this level of trust with him, and I get that. But I promise you, pray for the grace to trust him more. God, help me. I want to trust you. I want to hear you. I want to obey. I'm terrified, but I'm ready. I want an adventure. If you want an adventure, he's got one waiting for you. And I'm going to tell you, that is the most fun that you can have, is hearing his voice speak to you and being moved by it, responding to it. It gets me excited, thinking that I'm living a life on mission, that my life has purpose today. That God is looking down from heaven and he's found himself a six foot one Jewish kid in Reynoldsburg, Ohio, who wants to love people and he's put me on mission to do it. I like it. I love it. Let's do it. So, so, so I'm here to ask you today, would you pray? Would you ask God, look, am I supposed to be involved in the, in the angel tree? Am I supposed to sponsor a kid? Who, who can I be generous to today? And, and, and let them know God loves them and invite them to church. Who would you have me invite to the At The Movies series? Who would you have me invite to Christmas Eve? The answer is everyone. Okay? <laughs> everyone. <laughs> I, just, just ask him. And here's the thing. I'm not going to pressure you to give. I, don't, I told you I don't want to do that. Some churches give like a 15 to 30 minute, like they do a message, and then when they take up their offering, they do like a 15 to 20 minute message, right? And they'll take you to Psalm 109 and give you five reasons why you need to give $109 that day, right? Like that's, I'm not going to do that to you. I'm not going to pressure you. And, and to give, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want you to give because God is leading you to do that. I want you to realize you're rich, and I want you to listen to the Holy Spirit. Jesus did that. Look, it says this. He said that Jesus went through all the towns and villages Doing what he did, he taught people, he preached the good news of the kingdom, and he healed every disease and sickness. But watch how he did it. When he saw the crowds, anytime I see this phrase in my Bible, I draw little eyeballs. Because I know Jesus saw something, and I stop and I pray. I said, Jesus, what did you see? What did you see? Was it what you saw on the outside, or did you see somebody's heart? What did you see? Let me see people. Let me see people today. That's my prayer. Let me see people and it says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. So I want you to see these opportunities, and I want you to ask, Lord, what would you have me do? Just trust him. Trust his answer and respond and obey. Amen? Let's pray. Father, today I pray that you would just help us realize that we are rich. But more than that, God, I pray that you would help us to be good rich people. I pray that you would help us to live like you made us rich, to richly bless others. I pray today, God, that you would help us to get this right. Help us to be generous. Not just spontaneously, but intentionally, Lord. I pray that, that the way you are generous to us is the way we would be generous to others. Lord, help us with our plan to bless others. Help us to be wise. Help us to be moved with compassion. 
And Lord, I know that as we do, we'll give you all the glory, we'll give you all the honor for the difference that we'll wind up making in someone else's lives. And as we continue to pray today, I want to say that there's, there's a few of you here today, maybe, maybe you've kind of been dating Jesus, like maybe you've been coming to church, but you haven't like put down roots anywhere. Or you've tried a relationship with God, but didn't seem to work because maybe you were doing it the way your mom and dad did it, or the way your grandma and grandpa did it, or... Or maybe, maybe you had an opportunity and you were at the right church and they said, hey, get in growth track or get in a group or do this and you just kind of bailed and, and maybe that's even been here. And you're here today and you're ready, to, you're ready to make a full commitment to a relationship with God. You're, you're ready to say, look, I want to go beyond just coming to church. I, I, I want to I put down roots here. I, I want to listen to the Holy Spirit. I want to I have that adventure, but I, but I need to know God first. And that's where all of this starts, is knowing him. And so today, the way you start that is a conversation where you just acknowledge your need for him. So Jesus, I need you today. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment. And if you're here today and you say, I need to make that commitment, I need to say, Jesus, I need you today. Look, God's not looking for perfection. He's just looking for you to be honest. He's looking for you to say, look, I'm here, I'm a mess, but I need you. And if that's you today, I'm going to pray a prayer. And if you'd like to be counted in on that prayer, would you just slip your hand up now and say, Aaron, that's me? Just do that now. Just slip your hand up. Yeah, that's awesome. This hand's all over this place. It's great. I love it. I love it. You can put your hands down. Church, we're going to pray together so that nobody has to pray by themselves. Can we pray out loud? Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I thank you for speaking to me today. Forgive me of my sins, Jesus. I give you my life. Would you give me yours? Show me how to live for you. And I'll spend every day doing that. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, church, can we celebrate with